If you're the kind of dad who represents himself as the prosecution and your kids are always representing themselves as the defense and they always win, then this is the podcast for you. And the defense rests. We are bad to the dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. We are the podcast celebrating suburban dad life and dads from all kinds of habitats. We're also the fastest growing dad theme podcast in all of humanity. You, the listener, were so thrilled that you could join us for this episode, which is episode 13 of season four. Our guest today is going to be Jeff Mandel of Law Ford in Wisconsin, and we'll explain more information about him and Law Forward in just a bit. But before we do that, I want to introduce my partner, the grilled cheese to my tomato soup. And that's something you should be eating because it's getting a lot colder out there. You know, end of November in New Jersey gets a little chilly. His name is Coach Randy. Coach, good morning and hello. Adam D., good morning and hello. Uh, welcome. I know we're on Zoom again because we got to, uh, we got to, you know, I'm here in the den. You're in the, in the cave. Uh, I miss the love. I miss the love, but it's uh, always good to spend Sunday morning with you uh, on Bad of the Dead. It's uh, the experience that I look forward to was a, a, a long and unusual Thanksgiving weekend. So again, yeah. we're recording this on Sunday morning, November 29th. So we're still in that weekend, but already thinking about the work week coming up. So certainly looking forward to another wonderful show with another great guest. And Coach, you know who, who we miss seeing face-to-face quite a bit? Uh, gosh. You always ask that question. It's such a challenging question. And I'm going to go into my bag of tricks, go deep in the archives, who I think you're talking about. I'm going to go deep, deep, deep into the archives. Are you talking about Becky Berman? Well, you Berman went quite deep there. Com? I don't know if I need to throw you a rope to get you out of there. But yes, Becky Berman of Berman Branding, BermanCS.com. That's BermanCS as in consulting services. Dot com for all of your your branding, your marketing, your graphic design need. Hey, she's even helping Coach Randy with Coach Randy Says, his coaching business. We are uh, busy launching my new website, dub, 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 Coach Randy Says. And uh, we're going to have a huge campaign um, after Thanksgiving, the, uh, uh, the first week of December. So be on the lookout for all my new things. I'm still the same Coach Randy, a lot of great new options. So. All right. It's Thanks Coach Randy 2.0, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Actually, it's cool. 2.3. It's 2.3. <laughs> Another iteration. Well, look, it, it, it took uh, the Dyson people like 1,100 different prototypes to get it right. So, you know, got your work cut out for you. Coach, we're also brought to you by Movember. Movember, the men's health and fundraising organization. Grow a mustache. Raise your funds. Grow awareness for men's health issues. We were turned on to this by Keith Barbaria our week 11 guest. And we're also brought to you by a group of anonymous educators who just wanted to raise awareness of all of the great work that our teachers, our administrators, and our support staff are doing in order to keep learning alive during COVID times. Not an easy task, as you know, being married to an educator yourself. Yes, and it's uh, deeply appreciated. And this week, we're talking about dad to the people. Dad's for the people. It, it's Jeff Mandel of Law Ford. A great story. I mean, this this is a guy who lived in in D.C. and you know is an attorney, 
and still is an attorney and just up and moved to Wisconsin because he and his wife were looking for something different, good, great place to raise children. And not only has he accomplished that, uh, established a, and been part of a great community in Madison, but he's doing some really meaningful work when it comes to voter rights litigation, um, trying to avoid gerrymandering in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, as he'll tell us, Wisconsin has some very unusual laws when it comes to voting, when it comes to election procedures. So he uh, will get us uh, very deep into that. And I think we'll educate not just the, the two of us, which is uh, kind of challenging to do on some days, especially when we're, we're not well slept. But uh, I think the listeners will appreciate this as well. And, uh, you know, we've wanted to have Jeff on for a while. Uh, and who would have thunk that our timing could not be better, Adam? Congratulations. <laughs> Well, he, he's been he's been a little bit busy. You know, we're hoping to get him on or around election time, uh, but we're still talking about Wisconsin. It was one of, again, about six states that were in play, not just as a battleground state, but as a state where things might have gotten a little funky when it came to some of the vote counting. So he will read us in as to what's happening there as our almost like our boots on the ground correspondent, not just our guests. So well, I'm looking forward to it. But more, more importantly, how was your Thanksgiving, Andy? How was that? How was that day? That special Thanksgiving, day? Thanksgiving, you know, it was great. Fortunately, it was it was uneventful. Um, you know, we passed the time by playing what's called Jackbox games, which, you know, very well, you introduced this to us uh, in the Outer Banks with with your kids. And these are essentially uh, game show games you can get on a website and then answer the questions on your phone. So we did that with Michelle's family, who lives in Texas, and we do this with my family, who lives in the town next over and, and Westchester County, respectively. So that was good fun. But I think what was even more fun than that was what we did the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And you know, God bless my wife for being one of the uh, one of the creative minds of this house. That's right. You spoke to that. Tell, tell our listeners. Great idea. We had a random party for our kids called a Just Because Party. No reason. Just random. It was just a surprise. You know, our, our kids are not out of the house a lot. So it was kind of kind of a challenge. We had to keep them sequestered in our bedroom with the door locked until we set up the house. So what is a just because party? Well, there's no rules, but the way Michelle set it up and I just did all of the manual labor is you get things like, you know, the Philadelphia pretzel company. Yes. You ask them to fashion pretzels in the words just because. You get a cake, you get some of their favorite candy, you order some of their favorite meals. In this case, it was uh, sushi, They're big on sushi. We got a pinata, filled it with candy. We did pin the tail on the donkey. You know, all of the all of the games that you look forward to at birthday parties when you were a youngin. It's a just we did because here. party. Just Why did because. we do it? Why did we do it, coach? Just because. Just because. And I recommend yes. if you were if you're looking to break up the monotony again, you know, our kids worked very, very hard this year. Right. And we realized they couldn't go out as much and yeah. spend time in the houses of their friends this this past semester. But, uh, you know, two honor roll students, one of them's a high honor roll kid. Yeah. So we just wanted to hit the pause button, take a break, have a little fun, celebrate them and reward them for being resilient, you know, just dealing with the challenges of, of really the last eight months. And uh, it's not we got to we got to do it again. We got to do it again and maybe we'll change the theme up. It is uh, not ending anytime soon. That is for sure. We've got. Yeah, but I'll say this, Coach. Yeah. A, a pinata. Uh huh. A pinata can make your day. It's it's not good for the pinata. <laughs> how but many, when how that candy comes pouring out, the euphoria that you see. 
Did you did you blindfold and spin around and take you know? Well, it comes with blindfolds, so yes. Oh, yes. That's good. Wait, it comes yeah. with blindfolds. It comes with blindfolds. We had to supply the bat. So <laughs> my son got his wiffle ball bat and took a couple of good good whacks. And the the pinata, which was in the shape of a bull, so it was a traditional Mexican pinata, was decapitated. And for the better part of a couple hours, we had this creepy decapitated bull's head swinging back and forth. People thought we were doing a satanic type of ritual. But <laughs> no, it's just a pinata, my friends. That's funny. Good fun. Yeah, How about yourself? That's that's great. Uh, was uh, that's a great idea? I remember I saw postings on their Facebook. We uh, I had a little special treat. Uh, you know, it was Bree's birthday. Bree turned twelve. Yes, happy birthday to Bree, the Bree, <laughs> the Bree. And uh, so we had a chance to celebrate. I felt badly because there were you know we can't do friends for her. She's a she's a real trooper. Um, really proud of her. Grades came out this week. Of course, our kids uh, so proud of their effort in distance learning. And actually, it was a really good week with kids. My older two. Uh, from uh, Jess and Alex decided to travel. I was a little nervous. I had encouraged them not to, but uh, they came out anyhow because, well, they're in the 20s and that's what they do. <clears throat> but I will tell you that uh, we took our precautions. We ended up going outside uh, and uh, just being in the backyard, you know, pitching wiffle balls and hitting uh, and Michaela and, and Brianna and, and, and Alex and Johnny was here. It was really just fun being outside. The weather was great. And so I was living my dream where I had my all my kids who play ball in the backyard for what the backyard was worth, just crushing the ball, laughing, giggling. We did it for like an hour and um, I couldn't have been happier. Um, and that's, that's the first time everybody was reunited since the Outer Banks yes. this August, including Johnny, who I yeah. like to call your boyfriend-in-law. Yes, my boyfriend-in-law, who's a great, I mean, he's, he's so great. He's so sweet. Uh, Jess is so lucky to, to be a part of his life and Alex uh, he starts a new job. He's going to mortgage uh, refinancing uh, when he gets back. Um, of course, Brianna, the birthday girl, Michaela, well, Michaela. And it was just uh, a special treat. Nothing fancy. And frankly, um, just being able to be outside, it was great. And we just, Brianna hit the ball, Michaela hit the ball, Alex hit the ball. It was really uh, the way I envisioned my role as a dad and why I bought this backyard. The house was all because of the backyard and playing yeah. ball. Yeah, and, and the weather helped you out too. Yep. Here in so here in the great state of New Jersey, or as I like to say, the great state of northern New Jersey. Yes. Sometimes people feel like we're we're two separate states. But yeah, nope. we were very, very lucky to have a great Thanksgiving. Very blessed. Very blessed. Good, good. And it sounds like. And you know what? It's it's kind of nice. I'm hearing a lot of these kinds of stories from dads. You know, ask how your Thanksgiving was. Everything is low-key. Didn't do much, right? Nobody's really traveling. If you're you're traveling, you're kind of you know taking your life in your own hands. I know your kids did it, but uh, it sounds like everything worked out just so far. Just fine. Go home safely. Yep, absolutely. But it, it it appears that low key and not a big deal is the way to go, and that's perfectly fine. Yep. Right. There is meaning in just getting everyone together, seeing each other on Zoom, just having a meal with the nuclear household, and just enjoying that 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 time together. And I know every culture has their own version of this too will pass. Yeah. Well, look at, at work. Um, my boss gave us a little bit of a project. She said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want, to I want you to take a picture of you and your families. If you want, if you have a dog, make sure the dog's in the picture uh, at the Thanksgiving table and uh, either hold up a sign or do a, do a meme, you know, type in the one word, the one word that's giving you strength during this time. Ah, good idea. And mine is eventually. Okay. Is it family? Yeah. Family, I think is innate. Is it 
um, opportunity, yeah, opportunity to do new and different things. But for me, it's eventually, because eventually this will pass. Eventually, Coach Randy, you and I will be back in the den together doing interviews. We'll be back at baseball games. We'll be back in theaters. We'll be back in schools watching our kids do dance recitals and art shows and sporting events. And we'll appreciate it more once we're back in those facilities witnessing those things. But until then, let's just enjoy the hope and appreciate what we have right now because this is this is pretty good. I think we're realizing that fortune does not have to be big. Harumph. It could be could be right in our own house. Harumph. I don't know if I got a harumph from you. Harumph, Reverend. There you go. Yes, Reverend. I know. Authentic New Jersey gibberish right here. Thank you, Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles. Not just apologies, but thanks. We have Jeff Mandel from Law Ford in Wisconsin coming up right here on Bad to the Dead. We are Bad to the Dead with Coach Randy and Adam D. Remember, we are brought to you by Berman Branding. You can visit Becky Berman and see all the wonderful work she does in marketing, web design, and graphic design by visiting bermancs.com. That's bermancs as in consultingservices.com. Also brought to you by Movember, movember.com. That's Movember with an M. Grow a mustache, raise awareness and money for men's health causes. Like to thank Keith Barbaria for turning us on to that. That's our week 11 guest. And also brought to you by a group of anonymous teachers who just wanted to thank all of the educators, the administrators, and the support staff out there for keeping education going in these challenging times. Coach, very excited about this week's guest, especially in light of everything that's been happening with regard to the election over the course of the last month. November 3rd may be behind us, but election talk certainly is not. So our guest today is Jeff Mandel. Jeff Mandel is the founder, the president, and the lead counsel of Law Forward, which according to its website, exists to preserve fundamental democratic principles, revive Wisconsin's traditional commitment to clean and open government, and promote a progressive vision through impact litigation, administrative process, and public education you know, Coach, I love a good mission. So I got to tell here. you, that was pretty impressive. That I, I think that uh, you deserve some uh, money for that promo. That was pretty. pretty I, I deserve no money because I didn't come up with the mission. All I had to do was pull up the website and read it. But we're excited to learn a little bit more coming to us from his backyard in Wisconsin. It's Jeff Mandel. Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us on Bad to the Dad. We know you're a super busy guy with super busy work. Appreciate you being on. Thanks for having welcome. me. It's great to be here. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Jeff, so we'll back up a little bit. You know, Wisconsin was probably one of six states that was what I like to call in the conversation, right? Uh, not just a battleground state, but I think one of those states where we as voters might have been concerned that there could have been some you know, voter rights issues, some tampering, some lost votes. And from what I understand, Wisconsin has until Tuesday, December 1st, and, and, and we're recording on Sunday, November 29th, just for the benefit of our, of our listeners. So Wisconsin has until Tuesday, December 1st to certify its votes. So 
given the work you do and from your vantage point, is everything going as expected in the state of Wisconsin? For the most part, I actually think it is. Um, I know that's kind of strange. We're now almost four weeks after the election and we're not quite done, but that's in part because Wisconsin has very detailed and careful voting laws that make sure that we double check and triple check and quadruple check so that there aren't any lost votes, so that there's no opportunity for fraud. And so for the first week, our local municipal governments double check all the votes. Then they send those things on to their county clerks in each of our 72 counties in Wisconsin. The county clerk there double checks everything that happened in, in, their munici in, in every municipality within their county. And now we're in the stage where uh, we move to, as you mentioned, the statewide certification of the vote. In this instance, things have been uh, slowed down a bit because the Trump campaign asked for a recount in two counties. They're entirely allowed to do that as long as the uh, vote is within 1%, which it was. And those recounts, the Milwaukee one finished up uh, yesterday, the Dane County one finishes up this morning, Dane County being Madison. And uh, everything is, is just moving along right according to schedule and to plan. May I ask a quick question, Jeff, because I, I'm a lay person in this. And I think what uh, I didn't discover is that, well, I just recently discovered is something like you who, who does voting stuff. Um, and I've always taken things for granted, I, I will admit. Um, I like politicians to be like referees or umpires in a, in a gang. You know, they're there to make sure things run smoothly, but you don't even know they exist. Things have changed, uh, and it's now Wisconsin's turn. Um, so what is, what is this thing about 238,000 votes? And I mean, that it's so bizarre that, you know, to throw them out. I'm hoping maybe you can shed some light on that. Well... Look, you know, what we have in Wisconsin is a state that is historically very closely divided and that has really disparate politics, right? This is the state of Joe McCarthy and the state that gave us the progressive movement in Bob LaFollette. This is the state that gave us Russ Feingold, a progressive champion in the Senate, and Ron Johnson or Tammy Baldwin, um, you know, the first openly uh, lesbian senator in, in U.S. history who is, is sharing um, you know, Senate duties with, with, Ron, with Ron Johnson, who's extremely conservative. And as a result, we frequently have very closely divided elections. In fact, this election, notwithstanding that the Trump campaign wanted a recount and that people are talking about it as close, is nowhere near as close as the 2000 presidential election in Wisconsin, which was not as razor thin as, as Florida, but not so far behind that, mm -hmm. the 2004 presidential election in Wisconsin, um, the 2016 presidential election in Wisconsin was about this close. The attorney general's race in 2018 was closer than this. The state Supreme Court race in 2011 and another state Supreme Court in 2000 court race in 2019 were both closer than this. We are used to having these close divided races. We have had from 2010 to 2018, we had almost a decade of uninterrupted Republican governance where we had a conservative Republican governor and, the, and Republicans who controlled the legislature in part because we have the most extreme partisan gerrymandered legislature anywhere in the country and anywhere in American history. Um, and, and during that time, the Republicans who were in control of the state made extensive changes to our voting rights laws. We added one of the most stringent voter ID laws in the country. Um, we, we, we cut back on early voting. We made it harder in, in many ways for people to vote, but we still had 
some pretty generous laws about no excuse absentee voting and things like that. These are rules that have been crafted and revisited and refined and narrowed over successive years, almost exclusively by the Republican Party, including they changed the, the kind of statewide administration we have. They, they created this new body a few years ago called the Wisconsin Elections Commission uh, that oversees our state elections. This all worked out fine. In you know, it, it is the, the process, as I said before, really does work here. And in 2016, the Elections Commission and our election system did their jobs. Um, we had a fairly close race. There was a statewide recount. President Trump won. The chair of the Elections Commission, who was a Democratic appointee, certified the vote. The Republican governor uh, appointed the electors and everything was fine. Here we are in 2020 with a race that is barely any closer. And the Trump campaign is really upset that they lost. So they've now decided that the rules were unfair. But these are rules that their allies and supporters made. And these are rules that have been in place for quite a while. These are longstanding practices and established interpretations of Wisconsin law that they now want to challenge. So you asked, Coach, about, about the 238,000 votes. What they're saying is, well, there are a whole bunch of absentee votes that we think shouldn't have been cast. We no longer like these rules. And we can, you know, there are a bunch of different theories built into that 238,000, right? There's one set that's about people who are indefinitely confined. Mm -hmm. That's been the law in Wisconsin for 45 years. Hmm. Um, and now they're unhappy about it. There's another set with some address issues on witness envelopes. That has been um, the, the prevailing understanding of Wisconsin law for since before the 2016 election, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that, that interpretation was put in place and recommended by a Republican appointee to the Elections Commission with approval from the then um, Attorney General who was a Republican. It was unanimously adapted by the Elections Commission. It's been in place for 11 consecutive elections in the state of Wisconsin. And it's only now because the election didn't go the way that they wanted that they wanna challenge all of this. So it's really, um, uh, in some ways it would be laughable if the, if the outcome weren't, weren't so serious. And, and Jeff, I, I know that the Trump administration had asked for the recount. They had actually found votes as a result of the recount. So while Wisconsin still pulled for Biden, you know, they, they did find some new votes for Trump, so. <laughs> Well, they found they found some new votes for for each party, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 ultimately, at least in Milwaukee, the net was a slight increase for Biden. And uh, we'll hear later this morning what the what what the outcome here was in Dane County. But let's be clear: nobody thought that by doing a recount, you were going to change a margin of more than twenty thousand votes. Um, a recount in a state, at least like Wisconsin, that is as careful as it is already in the double and triple checking. The recount is kind of the equivalent of digging through your couch cushions, looking for loose change. Um, you know, you might find a candy bar or a cup of coffee's worth, but you're not gonna be able to buy a car. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, 20,000 votes is a lot. When we did the statewide recount in 2016, uh, the results statewide changed by a net of 131 votes. When we did the last statewide recount in 2011 for a Supreme Court race, the results statewide changed by a net of about 300 votes. I mean, nobody thought that, and including the Trump campaign, I believe, thought that they could change even a thousand votes, much less 20,000 votes. 
So this is all really, the recount itself is really just a prelude um, to likely litigation and to them trying to convince a court to throw out, as, as, as Coach Randy mentioned, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of, of validly cast votes. In fact, there's a lawsuit pending in the Wisconsin Supreme Court that was filed uh, on Tuesday, right before Thanksgiving, asking to throw out all 3.3 million votes that were that were uh, cast in Wisconsin and just let the legislature decide who should go to the Electoral College. You're, you're living history there in Wisconsin, and uh, I, I'm sure that you know, in time, this will be a master, probably in law schools, right? You know, the, the, probably the litigation work that you're doing and, and, you know, all of the news items that we're seeing in Wisconsin will become educational content, uh, you know, and maybe in poli-sci classes, but perhaps in law schools uh, somewhere down the road. I mean, this, this is precedent that's being set. Um, well, I mean, hopefully it comes out the right way. And I will say mm -hmm. that I'm really fortunate to get to work with a lot of uh, smart colleagues here in, in Wisconsin and around the country, um, we're really lucky that uh, people care about what's happening in Wisconsin. And I think they care not just because uh, Wisconsin is a closely divided state, as I mentioned before, but also because Wisconsin has been for a century really a model of good governance, um, transparent government, um, and, and people who have strong disagreements finding ways to work together. And it's because of looking to work together that Wisconsin is so renowned for coming up um, with all kinds of really novel uh, policy answers. Unemployment insurance was created in Wisconsin. Social security was created in Wisconsin. Um, school choice was created in Wisconsin. Um, you know, there, there's a tremendous history of innovation here that comes out of having good government that includes people with sharply divergent views. And I think that uh, people who pay attention to how our democracy works really see Wisconsin as, as, as crucial. And that's one of the reasons that so many people are, are following and, and devoted to helping what happens here. So Jeff, this is just to be honest with you, you're the first guest we've had on in 66 episodes. I've literally sat here and just listened. I, I, I mean, I have some kind of remark, some kind of comment. Adam D will tell you. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this and how you got involved with this kind of work. Can you tell us a little bit more about Law Ford? Sure. So, um, you know, I am a commercial litigator by trade. I handle business disputes. And about six years ago, um, my wife and I were living, my wife Sarah and I were living in suburban DC. And we were not, um, we didn't feel like our lives and, and the way that our young children who were then, you know, four and two or four and five, um, we didn't feel like things were going the way we wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't the life we pictured for them. And we decided there had to be a better way. But there was no place in the United States that we necessarily were d dying to move to. Neither one of us wanted to go back to where we grew up. Um, neither one of us had family in a place that we wanted to move and be there. And so what we did was we made a list of criteria. What would the right place look like? And we had a list of eight or 10 things. And we slowly looked around the country and it was a bit of a leap of faith. We moved to Madison hmm. um, and it has worked out you know, remarkably. It's worked out remarkably for me professionally, but it's also worked out remarkably for our family. Um, our kids have just such a different quality of life here and they love it here. We'd been here less than a week when our then, um, uh, our then five-year-old, she was about to turn six, looked at us and said, why did it take so long for us to do this? <laughs> um, it love was one it. of those amazing moments. Yeah. You know, 
one of the things that was on that list, Coach, was that we wanted a place that would reflect our values. And we had no doubt that the city of Madison would reflect our values, but I don't think we realized until we got here just how much some of the politics in the state um, were not quite there. And so we got a little bit involved. And in 2018, we had a friend and neighbor who ran for attorney general. We'd never been involved in a political campaign. I've never given as much money to a political campaign. I'd never given as much time to a specific political campaign as we did. And um, our friend Josh won. He's the attorney general of Wisconsin. Ah. But the Republican legislature had nothing but disdain for the fact that the people of Wisconsin chose to elect a Democratic governor in Tony Evers and a Democrat for the attorney general's office in Josh Call. And what they did is they turned around and they immediately, in the lame duck session, before um, the governor and the attorney general could take office, they decided to uh, sort of kneecap them and take away tremendous amounts of their power and recenter that in the legislature. And I was just so personally offended. And I was sitting on the couch on a Friday evening. They, they released the text of these bills that they were going to pass. And I was sort of scrolling through them on my phone and, and, and muttering. And Sarah looked at me and said, then do something about it. You're a litigator. Um, and so we're talking, this was literally exactly two years ago. Um, it was right after Thanksgiving, uh, two years ago. And I did. Um, I, I, I looked at the Wisconsin Constitution and I became convinced that what the legislature was doing was unconstitutional under the state constitution. And I filed a lawsuit about that on behalf of the League of Women Voters and Disability Rights Wisconsin and a couple of other um, groups that represent citizens and care about our democracy. We won, we got the, um, all the laws struck down. And then of course we went up to the Wisconsin Supreme Court on appeal and we lost um, four to three, exactly along where people saw the partisan and ideological lines on our elected court. But that was the beginning for me um, of really getting involved in, in, in doing more to use my legal practice to make sure that the, the institutions and foundations of Wisconsin's democracy can be can be protected and can stay strong. That's now probably about 50 to 60% of my practice. I still do have commercial clients and I do commercial work and I love that stuff. Um, but I, because there's such a need here in Wisconsin, I'm doing a tremendous amount of this democracy work. And as part of that, um, my, my law partner, Doug Poland and I uh, created Law Forward so that we could help centralize and do more strategic thinking the, uh, the conservative movement is using Wisconsin as a testing ground for the most radical theories of governance and anti-democratic uh, policy that they can think of. And they're channeling tremendous amounts of money and resources and time into this. Wisconsin is sort of their case study for what would happen if you took the 19th century laws from the Gilded Age, take constitutional law, back to 1870, 1880, 1890, and what it would look like if you apply, resurrected those laws and you applied them in the cyber age in Wisconsin. And so we, we believe that there needs to be a concerted, thoughtful, strategic response. And so we created Law Forward to sort of convene people and, and, and be the epicenter of that. We're not trying to push anybody out. We're gonna work closely with our allies and our friends, and there are many of them, um, but we wanna make sure that everybody's working together and thinking things through carefully. Um, we've been working to protect uh, not any political party. We've been working to protect the rights of every eligible voter um, to cast a vote and have that vote, vote count here in Wisconsin. 
here in 2020. We're already working on redistricting for 2021 after the census is done. And as I mentioned, there are just so many issues and so many challenges coming down the pike. Jeff, I was on your website uh, over the course of the last few days, you know, Thanksgiving, a lot of downtime, so a lot of opportunity for reading. Uh, th these cases are, are wildly interesting, the samples that you put up on your website. But just to paint the mental picture, uh, can you walk us through one of them, uh, maybe one of your one of your favorites, one of the ones you, you felt was most meaningful? Sure. Um, let me, uh, well, let's talk about the case, the, the most recent cases we did uh, just earlier this year to try to protect people's rights to vote um, in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. Remember that Wisconsin was the first state to hold an election when the pandemic really took place. And, and, and you, might you might recall the photos in April, um, right? Remember in April in Wisconsin, it's cold, it's often wet. Um, and the city of Milwaukee, the largest city in Wisconsin usually has 180 polling places. Because of COVID, they were down, they didn't have enough election workers. They opened five polling places in the entire city. And so the lines were blocks long. Um, and so working with some national allies, uh, Doug and I worked in, in the summer, really in the late spring and then early summer right after that, and went to federal court asking the court to craft some relief so that we wouldn't have the same problems in November that we had in April. Um, one of the things that we've seen here in Wisconsin is that the legislature has decided that it, rather than the attorney general, should get to speak for the state in court and in litigation um, because they don't like this attorney general. So the legislature showed up and opposed any kind of relief. They insist that there's nothing special about COVID. It doesn't really require any attention which would explain why for more than seven, it's been more than seven months since our legislature has even met in session. We have a full-time legislature. These people get paid as if this is their full-time job. It's been more than seven months since they've met in session um, to talk about COVID. Um, they opposed all changes to the voting laws. And I'm not talking about radical changes. We were looking for some very simple common sense tweaks that would make sure that people could vote more safely and securely and that nobody would feel like they were choosing between protecting their health or the health of loved ones that they live with and casting their vote. Uh, we had an extensive evidentiary hearing before a federal court here in Madison at the beginning of August. And the court didn't give us everything we wanted, but the court did give some very tailored specific relief. Um, and that was appealed and the US Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit and then the US Supreme Court uh, threw that relief out. Um, it's, it's deeply, deeply frustrating, but I think it's a great encapsulation of where our values are, what we're trying to do, how we're working with, uh, with others, both around the state and nationally, and also you know, what we're up against. Uh, let me just mention, to tie things together, to that original case that, that, that Coach Randy and I were talking about, in, about the, the lame duck session in 2018, it was part of those lame duck laws where the legislature gave itself the right to show up in court anytime it wants and claim to speak for the state, notwithstanding what the attorney general and department of justice might be saying. And they do that by hiring private attorneys using public tax dollars. They've spent millions, if not tens of millions of dollars in the last two years, giving money to conservative lawyers and law firms both in Wisconsin, but mostly outside of Wisconsin, 
taxpayer dollars to come in and fight about these things um, where, where the attorney general is representing the state um, and doing the job he was elected to do as the chief lawyer of the state of Wisconsin. That's uh, fantastic. Is that a turkey in the background? It sounds like one. Um, those are actually, you know, this is Madison. Those are actually chickens. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting on our front porch. And uh, when we bought our house, which is about a century old, um, it conveyed with a chicken coop that we, is between our house and the neighbor's house. And it is a shared uh, effort. And we have uh, five chickens. <laughs> that matches with your values, I can tell. You always want to be. Yeah, a chicken you know, you know, it's funny, Coach. Um, you know, you always see Madison at the top of the list of best places to live if you're a woman, best places to raise a family. Nothing about poultry. Yeah, <laughs> and we're learning quite a bit here on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, uh, actually, I have two questions. Uh, it, they're two different ones because I'm fascinated by this. I I teach sociology. Uh, I'm a professor, um, and. You talked about, you know, the, the 1800s and the, the laws back in that time. I would say that the laws at that time don't favor a particular race very well if they want to go back to that particular time period in terms of those kind of laws. Is that what they're really trying to do in terms of uh, the black, black vote, Latino vote population? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I, I want to be careful. I, I, I don't want to suggest that they're trying to roll us all the way back to Jim Crow and things like that. Although I will note that you know, the voting laws that, that, that they're pushing, uh, they claim are, of course, neutral, but they really fall disproportionately. The effects of those voting laws and the ways that those make it difficult for people to vote fall disproportionately on people who are low income and of color. Um, that is certainly an issue. And it is, no, it is no coincidence, I would suggest to you, that the Trump campaign chose to ask for a recount only in two counties in Wisconsin which also happened to be the two counties in Wisconsin with the largest populations of color. Um, and uh, the reports coming out of the recount, especially in Milwaukee, are that the Trump campaign in doing the recount and in watching the votes come in um, and be counted on election day, only posted observers at those precincts and wards that are majority minority, um, that they really weren't worried about the other ones in the least. So it's clear where their challenge and focus is on. But when I talk about law forward and the, the, the conservative effort to roll back um, regulations and, and bring us back to the late 19th century, I'm talking in particular about sort of economic regulation. And without getting too, too into the, into the legal weeds, let me suggest that there are two Ooh, things I like they want legal to do. Weed. I'm glad you mentioned it. Thank you. Number, number, no, one thing they want to do is they want to, um, uh, they want to, they want to resurrect two long discredited legal theories. One is about freedom of contract. And it was a theory that was ended, uh, sorry, that was uh, legitimated in a case called, a US Supreme Court case called Lochner versus New York. It was later overturned. Um, but what Lochner said was that minimum wage and, uh, and, and work sa workplace safety and child labor laws, those were all unconstitutional. Because as long as someone was willing to sign a contract that contract was protected by the US Constitution and no government had the right to tell people what they could and couldn't put in their contracts. Um, that extreme freedom of contract is something they're trying to bring back here in Wisconsin. And what that means is that the government can't regulate the economy at all because anything you can get someone to agree to do, well, that's their right, they agreed. Mm -hmm. And it just presumes and pretends that people have equal bargaining power um, 
you know, that people really have full freedom of choice when what we know is that people who are desperate to feed their families or desperate to keep a roof over their head or, or, or to keep the heat on here in Wisconsin for the six months a year, it's pretty cold, um, will do really dangerous and disadvantageous things. The other uh, discredited legal theory they're trying to bring back is called the non-delegation doctrine. And I know that's really boring and wonky, but, but here's the deal. Um, it says that the legislature has to make every possible decision and the legislature can't delegate that to any kind of um, government agency. So let's use the environment as just an example. I mean, there are, there are dozens of these things, but the environment's an easy example. The government usually says, we want safe drinking water. So you environmental protection agency at the national level or here in Wisconsin, um, uh, we have our, our, our own environmental agency, right? You guys, you're the experts and the scientists, you figure out what a reasonably safe amount of X chemical might be in our water and how that balances out with, with the economy and industrial needs and things, and you set those thresholds. Well, the non-delegation doctrine would say, no, 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 only elected officials can do that. And so um, that's not possible. And the legislature is the one that needs to make those decisions. Well, that leads to two problems. Number one, the legislature doesn't have a clue what those levels should be. And number two, they're not going to do it or to revisit it um, very often. And they're certainly not going to do it based on science. So the practical impact is that we just don't have regulations. And the government really stops functioning and protecting people's property and health and, and lives in the ways that, that we in the last century have, have truly come to understand um, our government and our democracy to work. So that's what's so scary. I would suggest that a lot of those things, and you as a sociologist will understand, a lot of those things will have disproportionate impacts. Yeah. Um, on different communities, but they are not, I, I don't wanna say that these are laws that are specifically um, targeting people based on skin color. It's just that that's the effect they're gonna have. So that, that's great. And uh, we are gonna get to the most important part of the show is you being a dad. Um, yeah. And I, I'm gonna ask this question because it's probably law 101 or politics 101. <clears throat> Why is it called a lame duck and not a lame chicken? I'm just curious. <laughs> Maybe in Wisconsin, it's a lame chicken given the population. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I knew. Although I will tell you, there's I haven't seen it, but there is a documentary out there called Mad City Chickens about people raising chickens, um, backyard chickens in Madison. Yeah, that's probably very, very, very deep in the Amazon vault. So <laughs> make sure your keyword search is extremely accurate. So, so Jeff, you're, you're, of course, in the justice business, but, you know, as Coach more than alluded to, you're also in the social uh, justice business. Uh, clearly, you have wise kids because they understood the distinction at a very early age between life in D.C. and, and life in, in Madison. So what do your kids think of your work? You know, I think my kids are, um, are both excited and proud, but also a little bit tired of um, how intense it's been over the last few months. When I was first doing that, that case in December 2018, uh, we went to visit my parents in Arizona um, for, uh, you know, over sort of winter break. And I was working really hard on this case. And my wife would say to the kids sometimes, don't bother daddy. He's trying to save democracy. Um, and it became like this little bit of a household joke. But now two years in, the kids have, have, have wearied of this. Um, so I think they're really excited about what I do. I think they, they, they like to try to understand um, the cases and to talk about what's happening. Um, they're very engaged. Um, you know, they're at the right age for that too. So they, they watch the election really carefully. They're, they're nine and 11. Um, and they, they're really interested in what's happening. 
Um, but I think they're also a little bit wary of how much time I'm spending on the phone. You know, you joked, Adam, that um, this was a, a, a Thanksgiving weekend, had lots of downtime and you were able to do some reading. Uh, I can tell you because of this lawsuit that was filed on Tuesday to throw out 3.3 million votes, the court required us, I represent the governor in that one, um, uh, and the court required us to file a response on Friday afternoon, the day after Thanksgiving. So um, I can tell you that, that that there has not been much downtime in, in my house this weekend, and, and, and my kids have um, expressed their feelings about that. <laughs> so it can't be all business in the Mandel household. What, what do you guys like to do for fun? Well, you know, we play, we play games. Um, our kids are, are really into uh, a wide variety of games. And so that's one thing we definitely do as a family. Um, we also, I think like many families, look for um, opportunities to, to watch TV or movies with our kids that teach them something about us and something about how we want them to see the world. Uh, over the last few months, we've been rewatching as a family, The Wonder Years. Um, oh, wow. From That's our the childhood. second time this has come up in our show, how the yes, Wonder Years takes us back to those halcyon days of a, a less challenging and complicated time. Well, you know, it's, it's wonderful. One of the things we, we live in a in a in a very um, tightly knit uh, century old neighborhood just uh, adjacent to the university and the university hospitals here. <laughs> and um, we feel in some ways, I, I think the kids don't see the Wonder Years as nearly as removed from their lives as, as we did when we were kids or as we see them from what we understand reality to be. Because we, we sort of live in the 50s. We live in a neighborhood where um, we don't think twice if the kids wanna just go out. We don't worry too much about where they are. We get texts at 5.30, 6 o'clock from some family in the neighborhood saying, hey, whoever's seen my kids, could you please send them home for dinner? <laughs> um, I mean, it's very much like that. The kids that say, is. can we go out? And the answer is, yeah, don't, don't forget to be home by dark or don't forget to be home in time to walk the dog. Um, and there's just a trust. As you walk down the street here, <clears throat> a lot of people have uh, tire swings hanging in their front yards. And that is considered communal property. Um, there are even people who the play structures in their backyards are considered communal property and they think nothing of it if kids that they've never seen before or they don't really know um, happen to be playing in their backyards. So um, I think our kids, you know, sort of relate to the Wonder Years a little bit more. I think the Wonder Years is a little bit um, more teenagey and more hormonal than, than we remembered. Um, our kids aren't quite there yet. And uh, there have been some moments where they just, you know, Sarah and I will be laughing at something and they'll look at us because they don't quite get it yet. Do you have two daughters? Uh, no, our 11-year-old is, um, is a daughter, Micah, and our 9-year-old our is, uh, is a son, Owen. Oh, very nice. So, yes, the, the teenage years are just waiting for you, just waiting for you. Yeah, we see, we see little, um, little flashes uh, of the attitude starting to come through. It's like we're- It will conflagrate. You know, like it will conflagrate very soon. So, <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, you, communal tire swinging chickens. I don't know. I kind of feel like Jeff's living in an American kibbutz. <laughs> So it's something we're not used to. For already. those of you not familiar, it's an agrarian community where everything it's is. Not like us, here. Adam D, where we live in our private worlds. <laughs> yeah, or, or in our, our private studios here. Awesome. Are you guys Badger fans? I know, Jeff, you didn't go to Wisconsin uh, for, for any of your degrees, but you're in Madison. So I don't know. Is that is that Derrigore? I mean, do you have to be a Badger fan if you're living in Madison? Uh, no, you don't have to be. I mean, certainly here with the university, there are people who've come here from all over. Um, but we have embraced the Badgers. Uh, Sarah is a University of Wisconsin alum. That's right. Um, yeah. And so we used to, when we lived in Chicago, uh, when I went to law school in Chicago, we used to come up and visit Madison a little bit. 
Um, so our move here was a leap of faith, but uh, we, we knew how great Madison was. We just weren't sure what it would be like to live here. Um, and we have no family uh, in Wisconsin or anything like that. No history in Wisconsin other than Sarah spending three years of college here. Um, but yes, we are Badger fans. And as I said, we live in this lovely neighborhood that's uh, adjacent to campus. So uh, we can hear the football games from our front yard. And uh, not this year, of course, because of COVID, but in a usual year, our kids uh, for the first couple of football games of the year like to sell lemonade in the front yard as people walk to the stadium. And for the last couple of games of the year like to sell hot chocolate as people walk to and from the stadium because our neighborhood fills up. Game day is, uh, is like a civic holiday. And it's all, um, it's all great, although uh, the, most, the moment it was most dissonant was the year that we were walking to, uh, to synagogue for Yom Kippur and there was an 11 a.m. game. And so we were walking to the synagogue at like 8.30 in the morning and there were already people grilling brats and funneling beer on the front <laughs> yards. Um, not, not, the, not sort of the adults in our neighborhood, but uh, between us and the synagogue, which is in the next neighborhood over, you hit some, uh, some student housing. <laughs> yeah, not, your, not your traditional day of atonement, that's, that's for sure. Um, exactly. Our guest on Bad to the Dad is uh, Jeff Mandel of Law Forward. So Jeff, we are gonna, we're gonna take it home because we know uh, you've, you've got a, a very important call coming up. We like to round out all of our interviews with a segment called Dadvice, which is advice for dads. So Jeff, you can take this any way you want. You could take it by way of the legal profession or just in general, just being a, a, you know, a fun-loving dad in, in a town that's great for families. What advice do you have for other dads out there that are listening? I'm not sure I've got anything profound, but I guess I would say two things. You know, one thing that's happened is I've turned more of my attention to law forward in this democracy work is really thinking about ways in which my career intersect with my family, not just in, in interfering with my family, but, you know, I feel like a lot of this work I'm doing is, um, you know, for my kids and for the next generation. Um, there's no real political valence. Nobody really cares um, who wins most of my commercial disputes, except for the companies and the lawyers involved. But when I do this kind of democracy work, it really is about shaping the world and, and this country and this state in, in ways that um, reflect our values and are important to us. And so it's been really wonderful. It's, it's been inspiring to do it that way. And it creates wonderful opportunities for conversation with the kids. The other thing I would say is since, especially in the last few months, while we've all been at home for COVID, and while I have been so hectically busy, um, uh, busier this year than any time in the past, I've made a real effort to um, think of parenting a little bit more like improv. And so, um, you know, when the kids ask me to do something, I'm not asking, saying that I say yes every time they ask permission to do some nutty thing um, that, you know, I try to be more reasonable about. But when the kids ask me to do something, I really attempt to say yes and. So, um, uh, you know, the kids have been uh, coming up in the mornings. We don't have as much of a strict schedule. They don't have to walk to school because school's at home now. And so they've been coming up in the mornings to ask if I will walk the dog with them. And it's chilly and it's early and I'm in bed because frequently I, I work or write until two or, you know, 12 or two in the morning. But I've really made an effort to get up and say yes, um, because I think that uh, I have great conversations with the kids for the 15 minutes that we walk the dog around the block. And um, in the last few months, that's been something I've really treasured is, you know, two or three days a week, um, bundling up and, uh, and taking the kids and the dog uh, around a block or two Usually they walk the dog around one block, but I find that often when I go with them, they say, oh, let's do another block. Let's keep talking. And those have been uh, sort of stolen moments and opportunities to have a little bit of private time with them 
um, in the midst of some, some, some hectic times and some real upheaval in their lives. Good. And good to hear that you're a student of Second City, the Yes And, uh, yes. As, as a couple of trainers here, Coach and yeah. I. That's it's all about one Yes. Of our, one of our go tos, right? Almost always and forever. So, it's Jeff, than the it's the other than you have it. <laughs> Jeff Mandel's been our guest on Bad to the Dad of uh, Law Ford. Uh, Jeff, uh, I know we've learned a lot here, and uh, thanks so much for all the work you're doing. Keep it up. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you on again, and uh, we'll learn more in maybe a, a year where it's a quieter election. Do you have any social media handles or social media sites that you'd like to, to throw out real quickly, Jeff? Sure. Thanks so much. Uh, you can learn more about Law Forward at lawforward.org or at facebook.com slash lawfwd. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at at J.A. Mandel with two L's or Law Forward at at lawfwd. Thank you both so much for having us, uh, for having me. This was great. Um, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to, to hearing other people's dad advice and, um, and, uh, and, and talking again. Keep up the fight, Jeff. Really. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. We are bad to the dad. Download us wherever you find podcasts. Bad to the Dad with Coach Randy and Adam D. Our social media handles pretty much the same for each one at Bad to the Dad. That's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And naturally, we've got a website, badtothedad.com, badtothedad.com, where you can gather information about past episodes, our current guest, Jeff Mandel, and future episodes. And if you'd like to interact with us, please feel free to do so. Either DM with us on social media or just use good old fashioned email, contact us at badtothedad.com. Coach, I want to thank Jeff Mandel of Law Ford in Wisconsin for being our guest today. Wow. Right at the, at the nexus of election news, even though the election was the better part of a month ago, uh, Wisconsin's wow. still very, very much part of the conversation. Uh, you know, learned a lot. I think I got smarter by way of this interview. I, I got, I think we got a little scoop there. I think our listeners, uh, considering Wisconsin is going to be in play this week, um, just... I was serious. I don't recall me, you know, me. Uh, we've been doing I know this you. <laughs> You've really behaved yourself this week. I was a uh, little, little worried. I was going to say, what do I need to use the taser again? I mean, there's, there was a couple times that I, I wanted to, you know, he used the word mutter. I mean, how can you not go off on mutter? Well, you did get into the legal weeds, which, you yes. know, it's, it's not even that funny in New Jersey now because yes. it's, it's, it's going to be legal. No, you know. But it was, uh, uh, I, w- I sat literally just enthralled by the work he's doing. I love that he and his wife said, I, I'm looking for a change. Uh, we need to get out of here. And, and they researched, they did it. We know Madison, we've heard Madison's one of the top places for families. And he lets his kids go out and just hang in community property and things like that. Uh, the work he's doing uh, to be able to say, you know what, I have a problem with this. I love people that identify a problem and, or they complain and they complain, they complain, they complain about over this and that. Mm-hmm. He found a way to say, wait a second. And I love his wife's response. Then, then do something about it. It's like, okay. And then you kind of take this and it becomes your passion and you actually are making a difference. When you uh, have to remember that Law Ford is a nonprofit organization. So he's yeah. not doing this for, for the cash. He's doing it because he feels that real change must be made. And yeah. as you ask, you know, you, we recognize that 
many of the quirky laws in, in Wisconsin when it comes to voting yeah. go back over a century. Yeah, it's it, we have to remember this is the, the United States is a uh, a science experiment in process. Uh, I don't think there's ever going to be a you find out what the true experiment is and it's over. It's just everybody lives in a utopia. Fifty uh, separate republics is essentially what it is. E pluribus unum, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so another another fantastic job, Adam D. Um, how do you, how do you know Jeff? So Jeff is the husband of a friend that uh, my wife Michelle and I had in D.C., uh, the, the wonderful Sarah. And uh, this one I have to give credit to Michelle because she said, you know, you should really have this guy Jeff on. You remember Sarah from Washington, uh, part of our, our, our friend, friend circle. Um, he's doing amazing work, appearing before the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Actually, he is the... Uh, the, the private sector litigator who has appeared before the Wisconsin Supreme Court more than any other private sector lawyer in the last two years. Wow. So I just figured, all right, it's an election year. It's probably yep. got some great stories, did a little research on Law yep. Ford. Got to have this guy on either right around election time or, and, and we didn't know this, right? Hindsight no. 2020. We didn't no. realize that we we're still going to be talking about yep. the votes being counted uh, November 29th. Well, of 2020. So well, Adam, you've done good. You've done good. And uh, we're almost getting near the end of our season. Yeah, just two episodes left. You know, you can always go back and listen to not only this season, but the last few seasons. Yes. I think Coach Randy and I are very, yes. very proud of this season. Yes, yes. indeed. We, we've had comedians on. We've had political pundits on. We've had newscasters and sportscasters on. Uh, we even had a guy that was an expert in bourbon. So a lot of variety, but we're also trying to keep it very, very topical. And next week, we've got Matt Fisher. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we had on Dr. Eric Sachs of Sachs Orthodontics. And the reason being for, for him was kind of find out how, how do you run a medical practice, not just in COVID, but how do you run a medical practice as a small business? So his partner on another venture is Matt Fisher. They're working on this product called Dentographics, which is a teeth alignment device. And they have licensing deals with uh, some of the character shops, as well as with some of the major league professional sports teams. So this year, we're giving you comedy, we're giving you politics, we're giving you news, and we're giving you teeth. Absolutely. Frank, it's all about teeth these days, isn't it? It's all about teeth. Well, it will be next week for episode 14, which, uh, what, what are we calling it? Did we, did we land on something? Did dads have bite? Yes, dads have bite. Dad's that's, got some bite. Yeah. Dad's got some bite, yes. So so that'll be next week. But again, kind of learning about how to start a new business from the ground up. Matt didn't have any knowledge or experience about running a, 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 a tooth correction device business before he got into it. And I think those transitions are tough. Mm -hmm. They're very challenging. So if you're looking for a little inspiration, Matt's a great guest to listen to. And again, that'll be next week, which is week 14, week 14 already. Coach, another bad to the dad in the books. A great pleasure working with you as always. Dad. Adam D., Adam D., it's always a pleasure working with you. We're going to wish our dads a great week. Thanks, dads. Thanks.